start off by actually taking some time to find out about what's your program? Who do you serve? Things like actually finding out what are people signing up for? Because you need to understand a bit about the motivations of their audience, right? Are their audience interested in the same things as you? The stage they're at in their business may not be the stage that your audience are at. So it's actually doing a little bit of due diligence about who they serve, what their pain points are, where they're looking for help, and you know what they're buying into. So that's the first thing. It's really understanding about that. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today I'm looking forward to diving into the topic of partnerships and all sorts of relationships and partnerships. And I've invited Danny Beaumont to the show today where his passion is people and nurturing professional relationships. His friends refer to him as Captain JV. He's a prolific networker and works with some of the biggest names in marketing. He's got a sizable network, over 4,000 contacts across every major industry, and we've known each other for a while now. He's going to add a ton of value to today's episode. So welcome to the show, Danny. Hi, great to meet you. It's going to be a good conversation today. Um, before we dive in, obviously you look after many partners for many different companies. Can you just give us a quick rundown of what it is you, you do and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Sure. So I grow partnerships with Four Miracy. We are actually eight different companies across different areas from course building to lead generation to coaching. And what partnerships is basically about, it's, it's about driving our growth. We work with other companies who are complement what we do. And partnerships basically is working with people where you share your offers, you share your training, you share resources with each other's audiences. And uh, there's a saying that you essentially you help lift each other's boats up. Mm-hmm. I've worked with Miracy since 2021. I've worked in marketing till, since 2000. And I've known, I've been following Danny Inney, who founded Miracy since 2013. You know, I was really excited about joining the team because partnerships is really everything that I love. It's it's all about building relationships with people. Mm. It's a little bit like sales, but it's, it's, there's much more intensity in terms of helping each other. You really are. It's very much about supporting each other. The fact that your growth of your business is very much reliant on you growing your partner's business. Mm, totally. So... We're talking partnerships, you're talking some big companies there, but for people who are listening and have got a much smaller company, maybe they haven't even started doing partnerships yet Mm. and it's something that they're thinking about. What are some of the things that we need to think about as a business to be ready for partnerships, to be partner ready? To be partner ready, to begin with at least, you need to have an email list that's big enough to help somebody. You can have... The truth is you can start partnering if you've got a few hundred people on your email list. Mm-hmm. But you would initially need to build a list because ultimately the way you support people with joint ventures is that they will have a promotion like a webinar running 
or they will have some uh, resource that they give away and they're going to want their partners to share that with their audiences. Mm. So you need to have some email subscribers to do that. Yeah. Now you mentioned there that you can start off with a list for as little as 200 and I know that a lot of people think that they can't start until they've got an email list of, you know, maybe 5,000. Yeah. What are some of the things that we need to prepare before we start even going into these promotions? Because I'm assuming we can't have an email list of 200 people that's, you know, that's not being nurtured, for example. So what are those things that we need to do to prepare our list? Correct. Your email list needs to be used to hearing from you from the very start. If you've never emailed them and you're suddenly telling them about a third-party event that's taking place, they're going to be startled. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you need to do is you need to get used to, you need to get your audience used to hearing from you. You need to be sending them periodic emails. You may not be ready to email them every day, but you certainly should be emailing them more than once a week, you know, two, three times a week with emails that are really designed to nurture them. And that means emails that are giving them insights, giving them advice, giving them guidance on how to do better at something. You know, it may be that you're helping them to market themselves better. It may be you're helping them to improve their health. It may be that you're giving them advice on intellectual property, whatever it is, you need to be getting them used to hearing from you. And then if you are considering promoting other people, you might even want to preempt that by actually telling your audience in advance, you know, over the next few days, I'm going to be telling you about a really great person that I work with, who helps you to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, you're going to be hearing about them in a few days. Mm. So your audience are not startled. Yeah. So on that, mm. finding partners, this is something that trips a lot of people up mm. because they don't understand, like, where do I find these partners? How do I find people that don't do exactly what I do, but still add value to my audience? How do you go about finding partners for the companies that you work for? So the companies that I have over over a period of time have got to know uh, various networks where you can find other JV partners. So there are, for example, partner networks like the JV directory. And there are also networking groups, networking organizations where you can essentially, you know, join in forums and discussions and find out from people. We know who are you joint venturing with? But what I do is I essentially I refer when I work with a joint venture partner, once we work together, something that comes up in conversation will be, you know, do you know any companies similar to yourselves that, you know, who might be a fit for me? So it's just looking at who we worked with, you know, who might be a fit. You need to be able to do that. But when you work with a partner and, and it's successful, it's actually being having the confidence to say to them, listen, I really enjoy working with you. I'd love to partner with other companies. Are there other businesses that you partner with who you feel might be a fit for me? Mm. And it's joint ventures is not just about saying, well, you know, I've got an offer. Can you help me? Can you promote it? It's also JVs is also about referrals. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the JV partners who I work with, they're where it's just about referrals. It's really all about the fact that they find clients through referrals. The JV partnerships is actually about just forming a close network of partners who refer clients to them who are a good fit. How do you identify who that good fit partner is? Because this is a conversation that's come up many times on the podcast. Mm. Not all partners are created equal. Correct. And most of us that are in partnerships have had an instance or two mm. where a partnership hasn't quite gone well. So yeah. 
how do you identify what makes a good partner and how do you even start that relationship off? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think the first thing to do is is not to rush into that relationship. I've actually had people come to me and said, oh, I've got a really great, I've got a great partner who's got a, they've got an event running next week, you know, would you like to join us? Start off by actually taking some time to find out about, you know, what's your program? Who do you serve? Things like actually finding out what are people signing up for? Because you need to understand a bit about the motivations of their audience, right? Are their audience Mm -hmm. interested in the same things as you? So it may be, for example, that you run webinars, but the person you're looking to partner with, the audience that they cater for doesn't really like signing up for those sort of things. So try and find out about not just what they're used to signing up for, but also when they are approaching the partner that you'd like to work with, what's the problem they're trying to solve? What are they suffering with? What are they, what's the challenge that they're experiencing? What are the problems that they are coming up against? And how are they looking for the partner that you've approached or you're speaking to? How are they looking for them to help them? This is actually a crucial question to ask because you also want to find out about what's the offer that your partner are providing, right? So let's say, for example, that you're selling a $4,000 program Mm -hmm. and your partner really is selling a program that is $200. Mm -hmm. It may be that having probed a bit more about who the audience are, they're not going to be a fit for you. They're just simply what they are trying to solve, what they're used to paying. The stage they're at in their business may not be the stage that your audience are at. So it's actually doing a little bit of due diligence about who they serve, what their pain points are, where they're looking for help, and you know what they're buying into. So that's the first thing. It's, it's really understanding about that. I think it's understanding a bit about the person that you're talking to. It seems like an obvious question, but do you like them? Yeah. Do you feel comfortable? Yeah. It does sound obvious, but... <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you think, you know, this person's got a great deal, but, you know, they've got, you know, they've got a great... I like the sound of their audience. I like the sound of their program. But you speak to this person, but actually you don't feel comfortable around them. Mm-hmm. I had a meeting last week with someone where they were slightly adversarial, their conversation with me. And, you know, certainly at an exploratory stage, what I'm trying to find out is, you know, how can we work together? And so it's understanding, is this someone who I feel comfortable working with? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the final thing really is, is the actual, is the actual nature of their program, the, the way they work, does that work for you? Mm-hmm. I've had meetings with people, for example, where, they will run a summit. And I'll say, listen, we also run summits, but we'll also reciprocate. Mm-hmm. This particular partner said, well, I'd run summits, but I don't reciprocate because I consider a, a summit the reciprocation. I, mean, I won't go into the details, but essentially that different companies have different ways of working. Mm-hmm. So from a practical point of view, two out of three can be good. So you can like the person, you can like their program, their audience sounds good, but actually the actual way they work may not fit you. Mm. And that's fine. I think I respect the fact that different companies have, they need to run a program that works for them. Mm-hmm. I've been approached by partners, for example, where they are only interested in, you know, partners promoting them. And the thing that they emphasize is that they're very generous with the affiliate payments they make. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that's fine if that's your model, but you've got to have three out of those three things have to work. You've got to like the person, you've got to be able to work together. Uh, you've got to feel comfortable about their program and their audience, that, that those are a fit for your audience. Mm. I love that you just mentioned that, you know, how do you feel around that person? Because 
there's something that's often not talked about. You know, we talk about ticking the box of, you know, does the offer work and blah, blah, blah. But energetically, if we don't feel comfortable with the person, that's going to come through our words, through our list. And it's really important to make sure that we do feel comfortable with that person so that we're looking after our people that we've spent so much time and money to build and, and nurture. So, you know, I love that you mentioned it. And even though you said it does seem obvious, mm. sometimes it doesn't because logically we can get in our own way and think, oh, but this, you know, there's, there's no reason that it shouldn't work. So I almost use that as the very first checkpoint. Do I feel comfortable even having a 10 minute conversation with this person? Because if I don't, I don't take that conversation further. Yeah, I think correct. Correct. Very important. Trust your gut instinct. I have found that my gut instinct is always right. Mm. You know, I'm, that's not unique to me. It's just listen to your gut instinct. Mm. If something feels off, it feels off for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Listen to yourself when listen to yourself when you feel that. That's exactly right. Now I want to talk about starting off with partnerships because you and I were having a conversation before we started recording and we were talking about starting small. If you haven't started partnerships before, can you explain what you mean by start small? Yeah, I think that when you're going into partnerships for the very first time, you are sometimes feel pressure to kind of really raise your game and raise your game fast. I think the first thing to do is be realistic about who you're going to partner with when you're relatively small. Let's say you've got a list of 300, 400 people. You may find it quite challenging if you are looking to partner with people who've got tens of thousands of people on their list. They may feel you're not ready to work with them and, and don't take that personally. I think you may need to initially work with other partners who might have similar list sizes to you. So it might be initially working with people who've got a few thousand people on their list. And they feel that you're a fit for them. I think that's that's the first thing I mean by starting small. The second thing I would say is that when you are new to joint venture partnerships, you know, start with one or two relationships and make those work really well. I think you need to get a feel of kind of what are the elements of the relationship work with you. What sort of people do you enjoy working with? What sort of email list do you enjoy working with? And you can only do that by starting slowly and experimenting with a few initial partnerships and seeing how those go and what lessons you've learned from the relationship. Mm. I would say also starting small is also about things like don't rush into developing. If you feel, for example, your program that you can offer partners is not fully developed, don't feel in any way rushed. I've had conversations with people where they say, I'm not ready for a joint venture partnership yet because my program is still under wraps. It may not be ready for a few months. And my response to those people is, why can't you, in the meantime, promote other partners? Mm. Why can't you build goodwill? There are people out there, for example, who might be a fit for your list. They've got a program. They've got training coming up that your audience would love. Why not help your audience and help your partner by supporting them? When your own program is ready to launch, you're then in a position where you've got several people who you've supported who are only going to be only too happy to go to come and support you. Mm, that's really great. Yeah, just thinking about that. Totally. Once we're working with a few partners, how do you keep track of your partnerships? Because this is something that I personally have been challenged with over the years. 
And it's definitely something that there's many people that I've partnered with are challenged as well. One of the, the biggest, I guess, challenges that I hear is how do you track your partnerships? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first thing that you have to do in order to track them in the first place, you've got to have commitments from partners. Mm-hmm. You can't track them if you have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And when someone says, I'm on board to support you, the next question that I would be asking a partner is, that's great. This is really, this is what we have planned. Are you able to give me an idea of what dates you'd be able to support us mm-hmm. so I can mark them in my calendar? It's a really reasonable thing to ask, and partners will generally be only too happy to tell you that. Mm-hmm. But without getting a commitment of dates, just if it's just tentative, most of the time, in my experience, partners don't deliver if there isn't a solid commitment to dates. Mm. There will be occasionally partners who fly by the seat of their pants and don't know what they're doing until the following Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some of them are very good partners, actually. But in the main, I would say, as a rule, when partners are vague and don't commit to dates, very often they're trying to keep their options open. And come your launch, they've forgotten about you and they're doing something else. Or they just forgot. That's the first thing I would say. Date commitments are extremely important. Mm-hmm. The next thing is that when a launch comes up, you have to keep reminding partners of what what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. In my experience, it doesn't matter how organized partners are, stuff happens, stuff goes wrong. Mm-hmm. You can have a great VA working for you. They've gone on vacation and forgot to set it up. You have a VA who is set the emails up, but they're still in draft mode. They're not set to go out. Mm-hmm. So you've also got to, you owe it to your partners to make sure that you get them what they need in plenty of time, that you check in with them, that they've got everything they need. Are they actually getting your emails? And then reminding them when they're due to promote you, you know, we, we know we've got you down to uh, support us tomorrow. I just want to check you've got everything you need. Is there anything you need from me? Is there anything you want to ask me? So it's that regular checking in with partners to make sure that they, you know, they come back to you, that they've got everything they need, that they haven't forgotten, that their team hasn't forgotten. And then it's basically logging all of that. You know, it's making sure you've got a system. It doesn't have to be very high tech. It can be something as simple as Google Docs, having a spreadsheet and having a grid where you set out all the dates of your promotion, who is supporting what and when, and things like subscribe to their email list mm. so you know when their email goes out has it gone out or if it has gone out and you're not able to track any opt-ins from them what's gone wrong you know maybe they forgot to put the affiliate link in things like that do happen they haven't got a lot actually so actually make sure you've got all those things in place and again if this partner is due to promote on a certain date and nothing's showing up on your system check in with them find out what's gone wrong mm. It wasn't a few months back, a very a partner of ours who's very organized. We didn't get any opt-ins from them. And it turned out that something had got lost in communication with our team and the email hadn't gone out. Mm-hmm. So really, it, you need to have a system of checking to ensure that, that everything is tracked. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a big, big difference in terms of how many partners show up for a launch and how many partners don't, depending on how much checking in or lack of checking in that you do. Mm, good point. Mm. Now, you mentioned there that one of the emails that you sent, you know, before a launch is, hey, do you have everything you need? Mm. Just before we move on, I'd love you to share what are the things that we need to think about that we need to provide our partners? 
Sure. So the first thing is to uh, make sure that you, well in advance of a launch, that you're sending them the best copy that you're going to be providing them to promote what you've got. Uh, you need, need to make sure that you send it out in plenty of time. You need to send them out, not just copy and links, but also instructions, right? Giving them, you need to get your audience enthused and excited, right? They're your stakeholders, right? They are, think of them as part of your team. And that means that you really need to keep them in the in the loop about what's this launch? What is the big idea behind your promotion? What are you trying to achieve? What's coming up? What's happening over the next weeks? What's happening over the next few days? It's about getting them excited, for example, about how your promotion's going, how many people have signed up, how many people have bought. Many partners will have something called a leaderboard where you can see, for example, who are the top 10 partners you know, who, who, are really, who do really well. It might sound like vanity, but people get really excited about information like that. So really be detailed. Also, it sometimes helps to actually give your partners advice on how they can do better. You know, one of the things that I will sometimes do in a run-up to a launch is I'll share a video. There was a launch recently where we shared a video about why it's worthwhile promoting during Cart Open. Mm-hmm. You know, during during when, when partners are promoting a launch, they'll often be reluctant to over-promote, They'll think cart open, that's your job to turn your audience into buyers. That's not my job. Why would I promote you in cart open? So I decided to actually answer those questions and share a little video. Mm. And another thing that some of your partners might struggle with is they're happy to promote you, but they, for example, they could do stuff like promote a bonus. If you've got a, a promotion coming up, they could also offer a bonus to their audience. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if you sign up for you know, for Samantha Riley's program, I'll also include some special training from my program to help you with a particular problem. That can make a huge difference in getting people to convert. Mm. But then your partners may not always know what to do, what kind of bonus to promote that's relevant. So why not give them some help? You know, some of your audience are very, you know, very advanced. Some of your audience are really at a starter level and you need to be able to be aware of that. Yeah, love this so much, love it. Now, you talked then about a lot of things to make promotion successful. Let's, I guess, shine a light on the elephant in the room, and that is a lot of people think that they can't be successful if they've got a small list yeah. or, you know, aren't ready to partner if they've only got a small list. I'd love you to share what like, what actually is a small list in, and what can people with a small list do to make sure that they are successful in partnerships? Yeah, yeah. So let's first uh, answer that question, what is a small list? The question is, it's completely relative. You know, it's like saying, what is tall, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what's short? It, it all depends relative to relative to other people. So so the first thing is a small list is very much, you know, it's like beauty's in the eye of the beholder. What a small list. It's a question I often ask when I meet partners. I ask them, you know, can you give me a rough idea of your list size? And I'm not in any way put off with people who've got a small list. I want to know a bit more just about how engaged their list is relative to its size. And very often partners get very defensive. They sort of say, oh, I've got a really small list. I've only got 2,000 people. I say, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So I think the first thing is understanding size is completely relative. Uh, what's much more of much more significance is how engaged is the list. What I'm really interested in, in knowing about is how aligned are your audience and my audience? You might have 1,500, 2,000 people on your list. 
I'm obviously Alice or kind of 20, 20,000, 25,000, 30,000. Those are the sort of size of lists I'm used to managing. So mm-hmm. why would I be interested in someone with 2,000 people on that list? I'd be interested with someone with 2,000 on the list because if their audience is aligned with ours, they are going to be a lot of people on that list who will go and buy from us, mm-hmm. um, who are going to be interested in what we've got to offer. And that that's what matters. I've seen people sending hundreds and hundreds, of thousands of opt-ins and only one or two sales. And I've literally seen people send a few hundred opt-ins and they've just wiped the floor with sales because mm-hmm. the audience is so beautifully aligned with our audience. Mm-hmm. That's of far, far greater interest. Mm-hmm. Forget about audience size because over time, if you've got successful joint venture partnerships, your audience will grow. Mm-hmm. You know, it will grow over time. But the key to a successful partnership and to ultimately growing your list is, are you working with people who've got congruence is their list and your list congruent you know do people on your list like what they're being exposed to Mm. i remember you sending out a video maybe a year ago maybe it was shorter someone that only had a few hundred on their list and they'd done really well in a promotion yeah what was the i guess the standouts or what had that person done or what did you notice about that person's list that made that partner so successful? Yeah, yeah. I may not be able to call her exact partner. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> what I suspect was in place is, and that sometimes is the advantage of having a small list. When you've got a small list, you're very, very intimate. You can't be intimate with 30,000 people on your list. Mm-hmm. But if you've got 500 people on your list, you can be intimate. And I think this particular person had engaged quite a lot with their list in terms of they'd actually replied. You know, people on the email list had replied to things. They'd replied back. They'd spent time actually prepping their lists for the promotion they were about to do. And they built a lot of trust with that audience. So the audience, when they were exposed to something outside, they were prepared for that and they were open to it. Mm. So it's, it's very much about your audience, the level of trust you built with them, the amount of preparation, expectation setting you've done with them so that when they are exposed to something other than you, they're used to it, they're open to it, they're receptive to it. Mm, mm. I want to talk quickly about, we're talking a lot here about promoting partners, Mm. but as a partner, what are some of the things that we need to make sure that we've got in place before we start to pull together? I guess a launch is probably what I'm thinking or something that's a little bit on the larger side, not just a, hey, I'll promote your, you know, lead magnet or free resource and let's do that back. But let's say, for example, we're running our very first launch with partners. Yeah. We talked a little bit about, you know, we need to have copy in place. We need to have links. What are some of the other things that we need to make sure that we've got in place to make sure that our launch is successful for our partners? Yeah. I think the first thing is don't feel, if even if you are doing a launch for the first time, don't succumb to the temptation to do a kind of Jeff Walker style launch, which has got lots of complications in terms of lots of phases. Initial trial launch is relatively simple. It might have a couple of phases. It might have a live training element and then an offer. But the things that you need to think about with a launch is firstly, just thinking about if you're doing a launch, don't just do a launch for the sake of it. What is the big idea behind the launch? You know, where do you want to take your audience? What are you trying to help them achieve? And is that very clear? Is it going to be an easy sell? 
right for your audience that that's the thing you've got to constantly be thinking what's in it for me right mm-hmm. that's what your audience is going to be your jv partner is going to be uh, asking the second thing that you need to do is that you need to be planning all of that activity well in advance as in months ahead uh, and it's about if you are you know if this is something that you are seriously considering it means that you also have to think about bringing partners on board months ahead mm-hmm. because uh, it's one thing if you're running a, a webinar that you've put together a very short notice you might get one or two partners running uh, promoting that something like a launch you need to be thinking about speaking to people four or five months ahead you know we are planning a year ahead mm-hmm. and people do that it's not crazy and it's going to be can be kind of embarrassing if you put together a launch at the last minute and you start approaching lots of people, none of whom can be, be on board for it. So it's making sure mm. you approach people long in advance. It also means that in terms of, you know, mapping out the various phases, writing the copy, all of that needs to ideally be ready at least kind of four weeks ahead of the launch mm-hmm. because your partners need time to read the copy, set everything up. And then you also need plenty of time to actually yourself set the landing pages up, test everything, walk yourself through the launch are all the triggers and the mechanisms that are supposed to work working the way you should do mm. and so be very generous the amount of time that you're putting into something like that uh, generally what i would advise is you know if launch is something you're considering don't do that before you've done something simpler mm-hmm. like sending people to a lead magnet then maybe setting something up like some live training which you send people to so do some of those simpler things first before you start going into setting up a launch such wise advice, such wise advice, because a launch, you said just in case triggers don't work. I've never been involved in anyone's launch where something doesn't go wrong. There's so many moving parts. So, yeah, definitely keep it simple. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. 100% of the time. <laughs> guaranteed, guaranteed. 100% of the time. Danny, you've shared so much with us today. For people that want to stay connected with you, or to learn more about what you do, how can they do that? Firstly, you can connect to me on LinkedIn. That's one way. So it's there's only one Danny Vermant. So you, you can search me on LinkedIn. If you'd be interested in kind of exploring partnering with us, you can email me, danny.bermant at miracy.com. I believe the email address, my LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes, I think. Absolutely. Always in the show notes over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com. Fantastic. Danny, it's been fabulous to talk with you. I love partnerships. I'm a definite collaborator. What's one piece of advice that you'd like to leave people with in regards to partnerships? My one piece of advice that I would give is always keep it simple, mm. right? There is a temptation to, to jump on every kind of partnership out there. Keep it simple grow your partnerships one partner at a time. Mm, Love it. Thanks so much for joining me, Danny. It's been great to chat with you. It's been great chatting with you, Samantha. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.